0: To the Where Are They podcast and welcome to our first episode of 2021. I am your host Jennifer and today's episode will feature the unsolved disappearance of 20-year-old Elaine Park. on some lesser known cases behind the scenes and we want to profile the lesser known and of course those are so much harder to investigate however those are the cases that need profiling the most we have a couple coming up that I promise you most likely anyways that you have not heard of there is a young man missing from Dixie County Florida under very suspicious circumstances And on the other coast, we have a young 12-year-old foster child that went missing in early 2020. There is some surveillance footage on the California case that I can't stop watching. It's just so weird. I have been in touch with local police departments and family members to try and gather as much info as I can. So please, if you haven't subscribed yet... Please subscribe to our channel and keep watching for those cases to come up. So today's episode features the unsolved disappearance of Elaine Park. I first learned of Elaine's story a couple of years ago, actually, when a true crime reporter covered her case. There is so much sketchy stuff going on here, and I have always been fascinated with this one, and had so many questions. Is there a cover-up? Why hasn't this case been solved? Elaine had some ties to some wealthy and famous people in Hollywood, California. Why hasn't this case received more coverage, unless it is one of them that is guilty of something? Elaine Park disappeared on January 28th 2017 from Calabasas, California. She was 20 years old, and her disappearance was both mysterious and suspicious. The data is easy to find in these type of cases, but what about their relationships, their connections, the people in their lives? That's usually the key to finding missing persons. So who was Elaine? Elaine was from La Crescenta, California and had attended the Los Angeles County High School for the Arts as well as Crescenta Valley Senior High. She was popular and people described her as spunky and outgoing. She was a cheerleader and served as captain of her cheer squad throughout high school. Elaine loved dance and musical theater. She was a writer and she dreamed of becoming an actress. She had actually already had small roles or guest appearances on several television shows like ER, Mad TV, Desperate Housewives, Crazy Stupid Love, and Role Models. With her connections and already having landed some acting jobs, she seemed to be off to a good start. She was a beautiful Korean-American girl, very into beauty and fashion, and totally seemed like the type of girl that could make it in Hollywood someday. Elaine was currently living in Glendale, California, splitting time living between her mother's house and her father's. Her parents were divorced, and according to Susan, Elaine's mother, she was having a hard time recently adjusting to her new normal. She had been attending college, but recently dropped out, just saying that it it just wasn't for her. Her job, working in a local restaurant, had also recently laid her off, so Elaine was going through a bit of a rough patch. Elaine also had an on-again, off-again relationship with a young man by the name of Divine Compare. Divine, who often went by Div, is the son of a prominent and wealthy L.A. businessman, Shaquem Compare, who owns Flavor Unit Entertainment with Queen Latifah. Flavor Unit Entertainment was a company founded in 1995 and in 2013 signed an exclusive deal with Netflix. I would say the company is doing pretty well, and the Compare family probably also doing substantially well for themselves. There aren't many details I can find specifically about Divine Compare which is interesting as a young adult, there's not a lot of social media presence that's out there. And I know a lot of people have said they've tried to track him down on Instagram. And the minute they bring up or something is mentioned regarding Elaine, he blocks them. The reference of Elaine and Div having an on-again, off-again relationship points out that their relationship wasn't very solid. The events leading up to her disappearance now are really very strange. So on January 27th, 2017, Elaine went to her mother and asked to borrow $20. She promised she would repay her the very next evening, and her mother, without hesitation, handed her a $20 bill. Elaine left in her dark gray 2015 Honda Civic, telling her mom she was going out with her then- ex-boyfriend divine compare. Susan would not see her daughter again. That night, Elaine drove over to Div's house in Calabasas. Calabasas is about 45 minutes northeast of LA and actually recently surpassed Beverly Hills as being one of the richest cities in the United States. So Elaine and Div hung out for a bit at his place and then around 10:30 p.m., the two took an Uber to go out for the evening. They stayed in Calabasas going to a movie theater in Calabasas Commons, and they returned back to Div's house around 1.30 a.m., also via an Uber. And all of this, by the way, was confirmed through the surveillance footage at Div's house. So Devine lived in the guest house behind the main home that belonged to his parents. It was a beautiful, upper-class, gated community, and Elaine ends up spending the night there. But around 6 a.m., we see Elaine again on the surveillance in the driveway, allegedly leaving the home. It's dark footage, and you can make out Elaine just casually walking over to her car and leaving the house. Divine would later tell police that Elaine had woken up around 4 a.m. and was acting very strange, having some type of episode, he said. She was having what he believed to be a kind of a panic attack, and she started singing and shaking and acting very erratic. He had said she needed to leave, and that's exactly what she did. He did say he tried to convince her to stay, but she was insistent upon leaving, and apparently he let her leave. Div also said that she never explained to him why she was acting that way. He was trying to ask her what was wrong or why she was singing and shaking and what was happening, but she wouldn't tell him. She just said she wanted to leave, and so she did. Elaine's mom said she did suffer from some depression but it's never been confirmed that Elaine suffered from any other mental illness. She was so upset that she had decided to leave Divine's house at 6 a.m., and that was the last time he saw her. Now let's dive into those details for a minute. First, if Divine is telling the truth, what kind of panic attack induces people to sing? Unless it's a coping mechanism, perhaps? Her mom and her friends have said they've never seen any behavior like that before. Or was there something else going on, like drugs? Some people have said that Elaine dabbled a little with drugs, but most people said that that was just not her scene. However, it could be possible that Elaine and Div had done some kind of drug that night that helped induce this weird behavior. That would also explain Div's kind of strange story about it. Maybe he didn't want to come clean about the fact that they had done some kind of drugs. My second thought, if she woke up at 4 a.m. and Divine said that she had said she had to leave and was adamant about that, what happened between the hours of 4 a.m. and 6 a.m.? She couldn't have spent the entire 2 hours singing and shaking while Divine did nothing. Could she So I don't know what could have happened in that time frame. And Divine's story has never been very clear. There could be a very logical explanation. Maybe they were just hanging out for a little while. It's just been very unclear as to what happened in that time frame. So the only thing we can confirm from that story is that Elaine was seen on video surveillance in the Compares driveway at 6 a.m. getting into her car and leaving. It's dark in the footage. But it is clear that it's Elaine and nothing appears too much out of the ordinary. It's really hard to tell from her mannerisms if she's upset or if she's acting any kind of way. She just appears to walk over to her car, get in her car and leave. So that day is a Saturday and Susan tries to reach her daughter several times that day. She calls and she texts and there's no response, which is not like Elaine at all. In fact, right away, Susan feels unsettled about it. Sometimes when she calls, the phone would go straight to voicemail, and other times it would ring a couple times and then go to voicemail. And she said she just got a really weird feeling about it, and something just felt very wrong to her. Her mom also watches her social media accounts that day to see where she is. If maybe there's an explanation why she's not responding to her, but she sees nothing posted at all. Elaine was a social media junkie, always posting on her Twitter and Instagram, and yet that day, her social media went silent. So that evening, her mom calls the police department to report her missing, but she is advised to wait a day or two as a 20-year-old young adult often goes off to just blow off steam, and she would most likely be returning home soon. It wasn't until January 31st 2017 a few days after Elaine was actually last seen that Elaine's mother was able to file an official missing persons report. An investigation now begins and of course police speak with Divine Comper and his family and are able to see the driveway surveillance footage. The police went right away to interview Div as he was the last person known to have been with her or seen her And the family willingly turned over the surveillance footage that the police have seen. Also, since this is a gated community, the entrance to the community has a security guard shack, which also has a license plate reader. Every car going in and out of this community has their license plate read and actually screenshot through this system. They are able to confirm through this license plate reader that Elaine's car did leave the gated community that morning. When police are questioning Devine and his family, they have said they've been very, very cooperative with them. The police, however, never asked to search the house or the premises. And the footage that they have from their home surveillance is actually footage that the family gave to the police themselves. There was never a search warrant or anything issued that would allow them to search or dig even further into that. So what they do have is the word of the Compare family and the footage that the Compare family gave the police. Right away, the police did eliminate him as a suspect, which to me seems like they did that really quickly. So on February 5th, Now, several days after she's been missing, police ping her phone in Malibu. They start searching that area and shortly after find her car abandoned on Pacific Coast Highway parked right across from the beach. The vehicle was just sitting there slightly off the road. There was no sign of a struggle, no sign of forced entry, and no blood anywhere near or around the car. The car's battery was dead, and the key was found in the auxiliary position in the ignition. Elaine's personal belongings were also found in the car. They were sitting on the back seat in plain view. This was her computer, her phone, some makeup, and even some cash that was visible from the window. After the car was examined, They found nothing at all wrong with the car mechanically. It almost seemed as if the car was just placed there on purpose. They did bring in bloodhounds and cadaver dogs, but neither hit on anything or picked up any scent whatsoever. So the police have basically cleared Div and his family, but others have questioned some discrepancies that have come up regarding Div and his home. So let's dig in a little bit deeper to that timeline about what possibly happened the morning of January 28th. So while we see Elaine get in her car and leave the driveway, the timestamp on the video is 6.05 AM at the time of her actually pulling out of the driveway onto the road. The license plate reader at the gate confirms her car leaves the neighborhood but the license plate reader catches her car going through the gates at 7:14 a.m. So this is a 1 minute drive. This is a small neighborhood. It's two streets. There's only one way in, one way out with really just a handful of homes. If you Google map that area, you can see there's not much to it. It's a it's a one road in. There's a road off of that. Which is Div's Road, which is actually a dead end road, and he lived at the end of that cul de sac area. So, from Div's house to the license plate, reader gate, it is less than a one minute drive, and yet it seemed to have maybe taken her an hour and nine minutes. And the police actually didn't catch that discrepancy at first, and it was Susan, Elaine's mom, who brought that to their attention and questioned it. The police response to that was that it is likely due to the fact that the gate security cameras probably didn't change their timestamp in their system during the last time change. And while a lot of systems and computers are automatic nowadays, there are still many that need manually changed. I think this is completely believable But what I do question is why the police have said that this is probably the case and didn't confirm it to be the case. It really seems to me that a quick call or meeting with the security detail company for the neighborhood could have easily confirmed if that was true or not. Yet the police brushed it off and said it was probably due to a time change setting in the computer system. Which is possible. Also, if the time was an hour off and she left the house at 6.05, then the time would have actually been 6.14 instead of 7.14 that she went through the gate. But that also is nine minutes for a less than one minute drive, which is still odd unless Again, one of the clocks' timestamp was off, as sometimes clocks don't match exactly depending on what system they're connected to, so I suppose that's possible, but I don't understand why the police never looked into that further to confirm that. If the times were accurate, why did it take her nine minutes to do that drive, Police have also said that they believe they can tell that it was Elaine driving the car when it exited the neighborhood. Susan, Elaine's mom, says there's absolutely no way you can tell if it's Elaine or not. I have actually seen the footage, too. It has been released, and I can't see how there is any way possible to identify who is in the vehicle. You can barely make out the type of vehicle it is. And then the license plate is lit up, and that's all you're really able to see on that footage in particular. There's no way to tell, in my opinion, who is driving it, at least with the footage that I saw. There were also some reports of an unidentified car in the neighborhood just before Elaine left Div's house. If this is true, there was no footage of this car leaving the gate, A private investigator working on the case later on would look into that further, and there was absolutely no footage that anyone found or saw of that mysterious unknown car that was supposedly seen in the area. Some people have pointed out that the license plate reader possibly has some deleted footage, which could also explain the time discrepancies and why things aren't matching up. Because Div's family was wealthy, a lot of people speculate there is some type of cover-up or some type of conspiracy that is happening with this case. Did they pay off the security detail? Did they have something to do with what evidence has been made public and what hasn't? I'm also curious why no other surveillance footage was checked. Shakim, Dib's father, willingly handed over the footage from their driveway cameras and he was the one that actually went to the security guard or the neighborhood and obtained that footage for the police. But nothing else was turned in or turned over, and police never pursued anything else. Being an area of multi-million dollar homes, you would expect more surveillance footage. Maybe the backyard of the house or the guest house even where Div was living, Or what about other homes in the area? Most of these homes have gates at their driveway with cameras, but the police didn't pursue any other possible surveillance that may exist in that neighborhood. Police have also said time and time again that Div and his family are very cooperative and are not suspects in any way. So the family put up a $500,000 reward that would be available until her 21st birthday for any information about Elaine's disappearance. But that award deadline came and went with no additional information coming forth on Elaine. Around this time, Susan and the police start to butt heads as she starts questioning their actions and their investigations. She wanted the case transferred from Glendale Police Department to Los Angeles, but was unsuccessful. The police have over and over again stated that they have no reason to suspect Devine and his family, and they aren't even convinced that foul play was involved in this case. The family hired a private investigator who definitely believes, after all the digging he has done and the interviews and talking to people, he is certain that foul play is most likely involved here. The theories of running away or suicide don't add up at all in this case, at least in his mind. When he presented his findings to the police, they told him that most of the information that he provided was theoretical and could not be proven, and they didn't take any further action based on what he took to them. So let's talk about the theories. theories. Suicide. Elaine was under a lot of stress. She had recently dropped out of college, she just lost her job at a local restaurant, and Div had said she woke up in a panic attack, although the night before she seemed happy and was in a good mood. In fact, the private investigator interviewed both Uber drivers who said that the two seemed happy and laughing and everything seemed fine with them during their rides to and from the movie theater. So did she have a panic attack and leave Div's house heading up to Malibu where she took her own life? It's a fairly busy highway in the area where her car was found, but no one has reported seeing anything out of the ordinary. The ocean was also right across from her car. Could she have wandered into the ocean? This could explain why All of her personal belongings were left behind and why there were no signs of a struggle. All of this seems possible, but extensive searches were conducted with no signs of Elaine anywhere near or around the car. Even the search dogs brought in found no scent of Elaine's to follow. The ocean is certainly a possibility, evidence can wash away pretty easily, but all of Elaine's friends and family say that despite some of her recent troubles, she wasn't suicidal. So theory number two, Elaine left town on her own free will to start a new life. This might be easy to believe if she wasn't such a social butterfly. She was addicted to her phone and social media. She had a ton of friends and she had no means to support herself, no money. This also doesn't jive with her dream of becoming an actress, and she was on the road to doing just that. But people under a lot of stress do make some rash decisions. Could this be the case? This girl didn't even have $20 to drive to her boyfriend's house the night of the 27th and had to borrow it from her mom. And then she just abandons her car. She would have needed help to make this happen if she wanted to disappear. And so far, there have been no clues discovered that this could be the case. Also, it's been almost four years now. I'd imagine even if Elaine was fed up with her life and wanted to start fresh somewhere, that friends or family or someone would have heard something from her by now. Something to let them know that she is okay. Theory number three, Elaine met with foul play. Did something happen at the home of Div in Calabasas? I do think his story about her waking up, singing and shaking in a panic attack, and then saying she needed to leave, yet not leaving for two hours, is kind of odd. And I also think the timestamp discrepancy with the security cameras cannot be ignored, Sure, it might be easily explained, but then why haven't the police been able to confirm the time differences with the systems? It really just doesn't make sense to me. It's also been rumored that Shakim, being a rich and well-connected Hollywood man, might have helped his son cover something up. Did he pay the security guards? Now, this is all speculation, of course, but his dad did have powerful connections. Her car being found in Malibu on the Pacific Coast Highway is also very unusual. Friends and family have said that wasn't a place she frequented. They don't understand for any reason why her car would be there. And why was the key in the ignition? Why were all of her belongings left on the back seat? One friend said it was very strange how her computer, phone, money were placed on the back seat almost too neatly and too perfectly as if it was staged. I personally think it's suspicious how there were no signs of Elaine, no scent for the dogs to track, and no trace of Elaine in any way around that car. I think it's very possible the car was put there by someone else on purpose. It's never been made public if the car was dusted for fingerprints or if any additional forensic studies were done on the car. I also don't often say this, as I always try to see these stories from all sides, and I know the police have a tough job, and they're usually understaffed. But I think the police botched this from the beginning by not searching Div and his family's property more thoroughly. I think they ruled him out too quickly. I'm not saying that he is involved, or I think he's involved, or that something happened there. I just feel that the police went through that part of the investigation too quickly to make that determination. So, I don't want to leave out the rumors of the Malibu Canyon killer. Honestly, this isn't really a thing, at least in the eyes of the law, but it comes up a lot with the internet web sleuth. In fact, I read through several Reddit forums discussing Elaine's case, and every conversation had mention of the Malibu Canyon killer from someone. Also, in each of these discussions, there seemed to be an equal amount of people that believe this might be a possibility, and there's a group of people who believe it is just a distraction from the case itself, and actually get very angry when it's even brought up. Because it's mentioned so often in those forums, I'm going to mention it here, but take a listen and you can make the decision for yourself or even do more research on the Malibu Canyon Killer if you're interested. And you can decide if there's some possible connections here or if it is completely unrelated. So from 2016 to 2019, there were a handful of bodies found in the Malibu Canyon area and a couple of disappearances where the person was last seen in the Malibu area. We have a vehicle driven by a 17-year-old girl driving over Malibu Canyon in the early morning hours in June of 2016. Her car was riddled with bullet holes. She heard... The shooting, she heard it hit her car. That must have been extremely terrifying, especially for a 17-year-old. There are evidence, photos. Her car is riddled with bullet holes. Luckily, she was fine. They didn't find any details or persons of interest as to who might have even done that. James Rogers was shot inside Malibu Creek State Park in 2016. Melissa Tatangelo whose car was hit by a bullet while she was camping there with her boyfriend in January of 2017. We have the case of Matthew Weaver, last seen driving through the Malibu Canyon in August of 2018. His case is actually really fascinating. I've done a lot of research on his missing persons case and maybe covering that in the future, Um, but he was last seen August of 2018 driving through Malibu Canyon. And then we have the death of Tristan Baudet. His body was found June twenty second, two 2018 at Malibu Creek State Park. This case actually made national headlines. You may have heard of it. He was camping there with his daughters and was shot and killed. It took them a little while to arrest somebody in this case, but they did end up arresting Anthony Rauda, who was a parolee they arrested him in October of 2018, and he's not only accused of killing Tristan Bodette, but he's also suspected of trying to kill 10 other people in shootings over the past two years. Honestly, this case is a podcast all in itself, and Anthony Rauta was in that area during the time frame of what people have dubbed the Malibu Canyon killings. Was it Anthony Rauta? And then also the death of Matrice Richardson also comes up occasionally when Elaine Park's case is discussed. But I think that is only because of proximity. She was found back in 2010, many years before the Malibu Canyon killer rumors began, and I think her case is linked to Elaine sometimes because of the proximity. She was found from Div's house. It was just a few miles from where Div was living that she was found. But again, that was back in 2010. And she had a different type of lifestyle that a lot of people attributed to her death. And the residents of Malibu Canyon area have reported hearing a lot of gunfire in that area during the years of 2016 to 2018. Police were often issuing warnings to people traveling in the area and telling them to be cautious. It's a popular area to go hiking and camping, and they were warning people to either stay out of the area or buddy up when heading out to Malibu Canyon. There were also lots of people who reported gunfire at their cars as they drove through, so it really seems like something was going on there, and I don't know if it's a coincidence that Anthony Rauda was active in that area during those same years, but the police have never confirmed a Malibu Canyon killer that is just a label that the web sleuths and people on the internet have given it. The police have never even stated that any of those incidences were related. So what do you think? That's just kind of a basic overview of the Malibu Canyon killer, although you're not going to find much if you look it up further just because it's not an actual identified thing from law enforcement. But do you think that's a coincidence? All of those incidences that happened? Do you think Elaine Park's disappearance could also be related? It did kind of fall within that time frame. And to this day, we have nothing new on Elaine. Her once active social media accounts have gone dark. Her family runs an active Facebook page, Help Find Elaine Park, where they welcome all tips and information and promise anonymity. Through that page, you can see how well-liked Elaine was in school and in the community. She had a ton of friends. There's a lot of support on that page for her. I want to address another area of concern that happened here and happens in most missing persons cases of people over the age of 18. The delay in being able to report people officially missing. All jurisdictions have their own procedures, but it's not uncommon for people to be told they need to wait 24, 48, or 72 hours before reporting their loved one missing. And I know that this angers so many people, but I'm not sure what the answer is. Police resources are limited in many areas, and I get that they need to make sure They are available to go where they're needed. They have these rules in place for a reason. There are a lot of people that do report a loved one missing and that person turns up a day or two later, having just gone away to clear their head or meet a friend. In the day and age of cell phones, however, we can almost always reach someone at any given time. So what is the answer for police to jump on these cases right away? We have Amber Alerts for children and we have Silver Alerts for the elderly, but what about all the people that fall in between? People like Elaine Park. In Elaine's case, she was last seen in the very early hours of January 28th. She wasn't officially able to be listed as a missing person, however, until January 31st. What could have been done in three days to help find her? Probably a lot. Three days also could have given a perpetrator or a suspect time to cover up a crime if there was one. So, what do you think the answer is in those situations? Elaine Park was a beautiful 20 year old Korean American girl at the time she went missing. She has a red rose tattoo on her shoulder and a cow skull and a moth on her arm. Both her ears and her nose is pierced. She also always wears a necklace with the letter E on it. She is a small framed girl, about five, 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 six, and weighing approximately 120 pounds. If you have any, information as to the whereabouts of Elaine Park, please call the Elaine Park tip line at 800-551-3080. And a quick fun announcement also. Now I am working on getting these cases uploaded to YouTube. There are a couple up right now and hopefully we will be caught up with uploads in the coming months. What's really helpful about this is I can include surveillance footage and news clips there for you to see. Especially in this case, I will be putting up the footage that has been released from the security gate and the home footage. If you are interested, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just under our podcast name, Where Are They? And every little bit of exposure helps for these cases. And a lot of times it helps to see the situations that we're talking about. Being able to see this footage for yourself help paint a picture of what happened. Elaine's case was a big news story at one time. However, all coverage has since ceased. And yet the family still has no answers. There is a mother, a father, And a brother who want to know what happened to Elaine. Spread her story and keep her family in your thoughts. I pray that we have some answers soon in this case. It seems so solvable. I think we just need that one piece of evidence that can break it wide open. As always, Be sure to follow the Where Are They podcast on social media for case updates and other announcements. We have some really important episodes coming up, so please stay tuned. Our new episodes are released every Wednesday. If you have case suggestions for us, please email canwefindthem at gmail.com or hit us up anytime on social media. Thank you all for tuning into this episode, and until next time, Stay safe and hug your loved ones.